Welcome to the Get Over Yourself podcast. This is author and athlete Brad Kearns discovering ways to be healthy, fit, and happy in hectic, high-stress modern life. So let's slow down and take a deep breath, take a cold plunge, and expertly balance that competitive intensity with an appreciation of the journey. That's the theme of the show. Here we go. The Get Over Yourself podcast is brought to you by Almost Heaven, beautiful compact home use sauna kits, ancestral supplements, grass-fed organ meats in a capsule, DNA Fit, genetic testing for custom diet and exercise recommendations, Integro Health, high-potency liquid probiotic called Flourish, Organifi, organic powdered superfoods, delicious green, gold, and red powders, Wild Idea Buffalo, sustainable, grass-fed, beyond organic, real ketones, clean burning ketones for athletic performance and fat loss. And check out the bradkerns.com slash shop page. That's my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance. And here we go with the show. You still have to look at how you're eating and when you're eating. Yes, we're fuller, longer, satiated. We feel good. I don't have to eat three meals a day and two snacks because I'm eating more fat. But are you digesting it? And are you absorbing those nutrients? Are you causing your body to increase your blood sugar because you are having stress alerts still? So crucial part of all these people trying to burn fat and be metabolically efficient athletes that it is looking at the stress factor and testing your blood sugar levels will help as well as doing your heart rate variability testing. Train hard, recover harder and adding more mobility training, adding more of the infrared treatment, I just think is huge benefit for people. Your cryotherapy, Normatec boots, you know, all the different things that we can do as athletes, especially as we get older. Let's talk about ancestral supplements. If you're into ancestral health, primal paleo, keto, you know the importance of consuming these unique agents contained in bone marrow, in the nose-to-tail organ meats, liver, kidney, all that stuff, the great bone broth benefits. Well, how's it going? For me, since years ago when Dr. Kate Shanahan asserted the importance of these wonderful nutritional benefits that you can't get elsewhere, eh, not too good. I don't know how to cook a liver or a kidney, but now your problems are solved forever when you go to ancestralsupplements.com, a wonderful company filled with people who are living the dream, walking their talk, and bottling up the purest, cleanest sources of grass-fed organ meats, kidney, liver, bone marrow, all in these wonderful capsules. I dump them in my smoothie every day. I'm healthy. I don't have to worry. It's an incredible dietary boost. And this is so different from swallowing a bunch of those synthetic vitamins and those giant bottles from the big box stores, highly questionable health practice. This stuff is the real deal. Grass-fed organ meats, pure as can be, ancestralsupplements.com. Hi, it's Brad to introduce a great recording I had with Debbie Potts, the pride of Bellevue, Washington. She's doing some amazing things up there with her Fitness Forward personal training studio and also her wonderful program called The Holistic Method. 
which identifies common sources of hidden stress for the whole athlete. She comes from the endurance athlete scene. She was a very accomplished Ironman distance triathlete, performing amazing feats out there on the race course, qualifying for the holy grail of triathlon, the Hawaii Ironman World Championships on Kona, numerous times, traveling all over, racing like a champ, building this business in the personal training studio, and generally caught up in that type A, highly motivated, goal-oriented, super busy, super driven life. And then one day, everything just fell apart. And it is a profound story of what can happen when you ignore the importance of balance, when you pursue your goals, especially in the endurance scene, with too much competitive intensity and not enough reflection and intuition. And Debbie's done a fabulous job picking up the pieces and doing something good for humanity by telling her story and creating a complete program. Of course, it's targeted to athletes, but every one of us is out here in this crazy, busy, high-tech, overstimulated modern life, trying to pursue fitness goals, oftentimes doing them the wrong way so that they become more stressful instead of health-promoting and life-balancing. And so her message is wonderful. We could talk for hours on the various facets of the holistic method. So in this show, we got into it pretty nicely with just a few choice, big-picture items, especially the importance of sleep, and making sure that our beloved digital devices don't mess with our optimal sleeping habits. We also talked about not the nitty-gritty of diet, which we talk about so much on so many podcasts, and hopefully listeners have a basic notion of what's healthy and what's not by now, but we talked about the importance of creating relaxing mealtime habits so that our bodies can be in the best proper condition to digest and assimilate the wonderful nutrition that we consume with our meals. And if we are eating on the go, grabbing something and carrying on to the next uh, matter in our hectic daily existence, we are going to disturb optimal digestive habits and not get the most from our carefully chosen foods. Finally, we talked about focus and the importance of focusing on a single peak performance task at a time, the dangers and destruction caused by the overstimulation, our constant need to navigate different windows on our computer, or multitask such as texting and driving, or thinking and ruminating, all kinds of crazy thoughts, fears, and anxieties while we're trying to do something like walk the dog around the block, or even enjoy some entertainment, a show, what have you. So really, we just tiptoed in the direction of the holistic method. I aspire to have Debbie on as a regular guest because I think you can learn so much from her journey and from her reflections, hopefully saving you from falling into those traps that are so common today of just frying our fight or flight response, getting into that burnout situation that's so difficult to recover from, and especially not noticing it while it's happening. And I weighed in there. We both reflected, Debbie and I, on how when we were high-performing athletes, a lot of times you're riding this wave of the constant overstimulation of stress hormones. So you feel fantastic. You're energized. You're performing well in races. You're waking up the next day and you're not even sore and you can go sit on a bike seat and pedal for many more hours. But what's happening is the stress response is being activated again and again. So you feel alert and energized and have your blood pumping and your heart beating. 
However, what you are doing is you're, as Dr. Tommy Wood says, that's Debbie's neighbor up there in the Seattle, North Seattle area. He says you are liquidating your assets to perform in the moment. And that's when you head down the path to burnout. And it's not so easy to bounce back with a couple days or a couple weeks or one season off. You have to pursue this holistic approach, especially as a fitness enthusiast. Oh, I think you're going to enjoy the recording and looking forward to many more from Debbie Potts. Check her out at debbiepotts.net and her books on Amazon, Life is Not a Race, and The Holistic Method. Here we go. Debbie Potts, how are you? I'm wonderful. My good friend in Seattle, Washington area, and I did make it up there for a podcast vacation binge this summer. And unfortunately, oh my gosh, we had a, a, a brief meeting at Mike Mutzel's house and then you had to go off to catch a flight and uh, we just couldn't click. So since we're, you know, since we are, have such a nice long-term connection relationship, we get to do this one on Skype instead of uh, get on airplanes. But I really like to uh, sit down in person and figure out, you know, some of the great insights that you have. And that's what we're going to do with our nice video connection here too. Yes. It's, it's always good in person, but you're kind of like Brock. You just kind of get along with you. You're just fun, easy going. <laughs> it's like lifetime podcast friends. We meet online and it's fun to meet in person too. So it makes it easier to podcast. So what's cool about you is you've been there and done that. You were deep, deep into the highly competitive endurance triathlon scene, going out there to the the, the mecca for all uh, participants across the world is to qualify for the wonderful Hawaii Ironman World Championships, which everyone familiar with uh, with triathlon knows is, the, is the, the ultimate championship race. But even people who don't know about triathlon might know about the Hawaii Ironman. And so you did that many times. It was defining your life for so many years. And then you kind of fell apart and, and these things happen that we warn these type A enthusiastic athletes about and people don't heed the warning and then assorted matters of crashing and burning uh, occur with little fanfare. And so you like, kind of uh, took this experience and shaped an entire uh, lifestyle program to help others. And I think we talked about just before we got on the air, uh, you're in the endurance athlete mix, you train people, you uh, write books and do podcasts for them. But this applies to any hard driving, high stress person who's trying to uh, burn the candle at both ends. And it's called the holistic method. Yeah, I find, you know, every day I, I feel the need that this is my new passion and my purpose and to make impact in society is to talk about the whole athlete, to really train and increase, improve your performance in triathlon. It really is more than just our training schedule. And I kind of learned the hard way every day. I was reminded that, you know, this is my purpose now to share my information and my knowledge and my experience with other people. And it's not just triathletes, it's everyone in our society is dealing with these similar problems. And I have clients that come in my fitness studio that, that most of them, most all of them are not triathletes or endurance sports. They just work out to slow the aging process down or improve the aging process. So I really feel this need to share this, my story and what happened to me. And then here's how you can avoid it. So that's kind of my new mission. 
Right. So at this Fitness Forward studio, you are, in fact, dealing with normal, everyday people. Uh, I guess there's probably a Microsoft presence there because you're near the corporate headquarters and, you know, uh, high tech, hard charging workers and people that, of course, have that desire for fitness, too. But in many cases, they're bringing a lot of stuff into the gym that might inform their decisions of how they're going to work out or whether they're just going to go sit in your uh, infrared sauna, which is so cool that you offer more than just sweating at the gym. You offer a place to to get healthy in different ways. Mm-hmm. Well, I learned that after I've owned my studio almost 10 years and been a trainer for, gosh, turning 47 somehow this year. I, but it's been since I was, you know, 27 years now, since I was in college, I've been involved in fitness and running fitness studios. And it is, there's so much more to really getting people healthy besides training them because as a personal trainer, you're seeing a client one to three times a week and sometimes once a month. And how do you really make an impact and help them improve their overall health? And it is kind of has led me to furthering my education as well as my own personal interests in nutrition and health since I was in college, but over time done different programs and coaching programs with Ben Greenfield and Paul Check, and now I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and I've started Ben's new Keon University. So it's near primal program. Just so many ways to keep increasing my education, help myself, but also help share this knowledge with athletes of all levels. So what about this world of functional medicine or functional nutrition? Can you describe what's going on there? Because we're usually only familiar with someone who's a certified nutritionist and they studied the food pyramid and they learn the boilerplate from uh, the, the USDA and the, the, the general conventional wisdom sources, which are telling you to eat many meals of uh, grains and measure out your cottage cheese so you don't get as much fat. And that's, uh, you know, the long dated, uh, yes, I am ripping on it because it's ridiculous, but it still goes very strongly, right? You study in college and get a degree in nutrition. And that's where you're looking at. You're not looking beyond that. And now uh, we have all these programs that have launched on the internet where you can get exposed to numerous different kinds of diets. We have the thing, like you mentioned, the Primal Health Coach, Coach Program, where we take people that are really interested in primal living and they can make a career of it. So they learn how to become a coach and learn all the aspects of the philosophy. A lot of great opportunities out there. Yeah, I know you're all over it. You're constantly improving and educating yourself. But tell me about that world where we drift away from the mainstream approach to diet in particular. Well, I've learned from my own experience, my adrenal exhaustion, burnout, HPA dysregulation is what it's technically called. And it's just such a domino effect of on your body system. So it's just evolved to working on nutrition because I saw these different naturopaths and functional medicine doctors and regular doctors when I first started seeking help to figure out what the heck is going on with me. I've gained 30 pounds. I cannot train. I'm just a slug and I'm heavy and I just can't sleep and fatigue every day. So my story is I saw so many different people and I'm just getting the same story, you know, the same results back. Lab testing, here's some supplements. And there's just so much more to it. And if you see a dietitian, it's here, here, eat this way. You know, nothing really was what I find, what I love about Nutritional Therapy Association as a nutritional therapy practitioner. Now we look at you as an individual and everyone's different. And we have our own innate intelligence 
to find homeostasis, sometimes you need to stop and reboot your system with the right nutrients, but it's more, you know, testing it on your body, find out what you need. So nutrition for me, it's, you know, the functional medicine is your question, but looking at, okay, what works for me isn't going to be the same as the other person. I think that's kind of a big thing for me right now because everyone's into keto athlete and low carb, high fat, which makes sense. But what we're going to kind of dive in today is there's a lot more to it. So what I eat is a really important, but in nutritional therapy, the main goal is to balance your blood sugar and not have the spikes of insulin. And then it's also to work on digestion. It's like, are we eating all these real good whole foods, nutrient dense foods, but are you digesting them properly and absorbing those nutrients, which a lot of us are not. And we'll talk why. And then mineral balance, essential fatty acids, hydration are the other elements. So in nutrition world and functional medicine, I think a lot of people are doing all the lab works, which lab tests that you do not get from your doctor. They're very much more detailed. I've been using athletes blood tests. I've used wellness FX, but there's one step further you need to go. And that's what I feel like nutritional therapy helps. So I don't know if that answers your question around about way. I think, you know, it's looking at nutrition for you as a bio individual. Well, take me back to those uh, shocking, quick comments you made, because here you are a, a champion world level athlete who's training for hours per day and going out and riding the bike a hundred miles and doing 20 mile runs and competing in Hawaii in the, in the hot weather and putting up another great finish and then going back the next year and doing it. And all of a sudden you're saying, you gain 30 pounds, you feel like a lazy fat slug. Uh, you're not even sleeping, which also is strange because if you're tired and you've exercised too much, you would think you'd be sleeping like a log. So yeah. what was that all about? And what did the doctors tell you when you finally went to seek help and the different that, doctors? <laughs> well, that's what, you know, my life is not a race books about is that I kept trying to get help. Cause I'm like, these people aren't telling me what I feel like I need to know. I keep, I kept searching for to get the right answer. And I think that's what evolved to the holistic method and finding, figuring it out for myself. But it is, you know, that the training and the racing and the constant stress that we talk about all the time, that chronic stress and burnout is, is kind of what led up to this. And, you know, it's funny because I did so many Ironmans, but it, I, and I missed some years at Ironman Hawaii because I'm like, oh, I don't feel like it this year. You know, I did it last year. I don't want to do it again. And then, you know, suddenly 2012 was my last Ironman and I haven't been able to race since 2013 is when this all started. And five years later, I still can't get myself together and my body doesn't want to go run comfortably at my math heart rate under nine minute pace. You know, it's just been a five years ongoing. So racing was not really the full part of my stress that caused this health breakdown from the inside out. It's really the chronic stress from life. And that's why I feel like this topic can relate to everybody because it's financial stress. It's this, I own my own business. I have say $7,000 a month. I have to pay rent and I want to get paid too. And I have to pay my trainers and, you know, it's this constant stress trying to build a business marketing. I mean, all of that, whatever it might be for you, that's the problem. I think we, we have in our society is that we're trying to do so much. We're trying to be successful. We're trying to fit more into the day. And then as triathlete, we're fitting 
you know, swim, bike, run workouts, plus our strength and our mobility and our yoga. And we're trying to do that, plus have a family and have a life and try to be social and get your sleep. So it's really hard to put that all in in a day. I want to tell you about wildhealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements, and you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in. You'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of DNA methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging. It's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal. Did you realize that only 6.8% of Americans are deemed metabolically healthy and only 2% are declared optimal? That's disgraceful, but you can turn things around quickly. Please visit wildhealth.com and you will see that this is the absolute gold standard of personalized medicine and it's available to you right now. Telemedicine available anywhere in the USA. Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com slash Brad or use the code Brad20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com slash Brad. I want to discuss the incredible benefits of red light therapy and how you can get started with Mito Red Light. Mito, like mitochondria, red light makes the premier light therapy devices in the world and at incredibly affordable prices. I stand in front of my Mito Pro 1500 unit every morning, carefully exposing my eyeballs, other important balls, and my entire body to special wavelengths of red and near for red light. When I tell people about my daily devotion to red light therapy, they typically ask, does this stuff really work? And the answer is yes. And there are thousands of studies supporting its effectiveness. Here's how. It's called photobiomodulation where specific wavelengths of red and near-infrared light, red's visible, near-infrared is not visible, that's why it looks like only half of your panel's working, these wavelengths help mitochondria in cells throughout your body produce more energy and clear waste products more efficiently. Red light exposure helps mobilize nitric oxide trapped in the mitochondria and allows oxygen to return to the cell and increase ATP production. The benefits are proven again and again for skin health, muscle recovery, joint pain, and numerous inflammatory conditions. Red light therapy is also beneficial for circadian rhythm alignment because we generally get far too little direct sunlight and too much indoor blue light from screens and light bulbs at the wrong times. You don't hear much about this benefit of red light therapy, but when I turn on those lights, 
first thing in the morning. As soon as I wake up, I walk across the hall, I stand in front of the panels, and I feel instantly awake and energized. And believe me, there's a lot of days where Mr. Health Guy here wakes up feeling a little groggy and a little whiny, like I don't want to right get up now and get into my morning exercise routine. But when I stand in front of the lights, in one minute, I swear I feel wide awake. I get all that grogginess out naturally. It's super powerful, super effective, besides all the healing and the cellular benefits. I also love it for being a natural wake-up machine. You have to try red light therapy. I am certain that you will become a devoted user. And guess what? Mito Red Light offers a 60-day no-risk trial period and a special 5% discount for BRAD podcast listeners. Just visit Mito Red Light, M-I-T-O, redlight.com, and use the code BRAD on any of their products. Go for it today and get started on your red light journey. Well, I had that podcast with your neighbor, Joel Jameson, where he talks about his recovery-based training and offering up these one-liners, which have stuck with me when he says, the harder you train, the more energy you need to devote to recovery. Yes. And usually, especially the athletic type who also has other responsibilities in life, like coaching their kid's soccer team or carpooling them around or uh, going and working in a, a demanding career, they're a lot of times thinking of their athletic experience as a stress relief from the other forms of stress in life. Instead of the literal definition is that there's all kinds of ways that you can stress your body, and they all count the same uh, on the scales of justice when you're weighing uh, whether you're leading a balanced life or not. So if you have a busy, stressful day and you have an argument with your boss, and then you get outside and, and lace up your running shoes and you say, oh, great, fresh air, open space, getting a good sweat going, moving my body after sitting there and arguing all day in the office, this is a real way to balance my life. And it's, it's fundamentally untrue. And so now we have to have a completely different paradigm and reflection about, gee, you had a busy, busy, stressful day at work. Guess what? You have to cut your intended run mileage from six miles to three miles. And that's a tough yeah. one to swallow for people that have that competitive intensity and want to unleash it every single day to say, hey, you got to regulate that in order to be healthy. Well, that's what I think, you know, we're talking about all the red flags that people don't see along the way. And that's part of it is as writing the article of how you can improve your performance in triathlons, but it's, it's knowing when to reschedule a workout that, okay, I had a hard day is busy, stressful day at work. I had all these meetings, whatnot, my workout, if I'm going to have this scheduled workout that might require a little more intensity. If you don't have it that day, I think a lot of people don't know when to start you know, reassess going, okay, it's not going to happen today. Let's reschedule that workout another day. Today's just going to be an easy jog or maybe I'm going to walk. You know, yesterday I just did that instead of going for one to three mile run after my bike ride to loosen up, I just walked around the block and you have to know when to listen to your body and, and get that recovery is more important. So as Joel is saying, you know, yes, I say train hard, recover harder and adding more, mobility training, adding more of the infrared treatment, I just think is huge benefit for people. Your cryotherapy, Normatec boots, you know, all the different things that we can do as athletes, especially as we get older. And I hate the age, the age excuse, but I think we do need to take more time to take care of ourselves and add more recovery techniques in 
to our weekly routine to increase that performance as we get older and not use the age as an excuse, but we need more recovery. It's tough to embrace the idea that doing less work can and will make you faster yeah. and also less more is healthy. more. So then we have to get to that point where if, if the person is struggling to embrace this message, then we have to get to the point where you step in front of the mirror and say, hey, dude, hey, honey, what are you all about here? Are you just about burning energy for the sake of burning energy uh, as an outlet for your obsessive compulsive uh, personality tendencies? Or do you want to do something quality with your life, including your uh, competitive goals so that you can get the best out of your body? And I think a lot of people out there, not just in the athletic world where it's extremely common, but in the workplace, let's say, they like to go work more hours than would be optimal productivity because they're just in there grinding away and somehow they get a measure of satisfaction or they get to avoid a miserable home life or whatever's going on that will get people into this uh, workaholic type of mode. And a lot of times today in society, we celebrate this type of approach to life where the person says, yeah, I was, I was up till uh, 12 finishing this proposal and, uh, you know, good, good morning, everyone. Uh, uh, it's, it's 7 a.m. and we're all uh, raring to go. So thanks for, thanks for stepping up. You guys are real warriors and our team is, is kicking butt because we work so hard. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that's why the reflections in life is not a journey and, and the message in the holistic method is really a wake-up call because you and I learn this stuff the hard way as athletes where you go, 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 go. And then all of a sudden one day, just as you describe, you're describing burnout when you say, my body's not ready to go five years later. Uh, but it also, uh, just as importantly, I think your brain is the one that's saying, hey, Debbie, don't don't even think about it yet. Because um, that that's, that's our regulator. That's our guide. And when you don't have that motivation to go do what you used to do, really important message that you have to listen to. Yeah, I mean, you have to listen to it because there's nothing in there. <laughs> it's not happening. So you have to respect that. But then there's a part that you have to be able to deal with it. All right. You know, everyone's doing half Ironman Santa Rosa last weekend. Everyone I know, is, you know was in Whistler doing Ironman or half Ironman. And then there's all these different races and events you feel left out. You can't do. You're not in that triathlon community. So psychologically, how do you deal with, okay, I can't race. And my body won't let me do it or my brain. And how do I just enjoy that? So as interviewing triathletes and still trying to immerse myself in the culture and still feel that I love the industry, you know, I'm going Ironman Hawaii this year to connect with people and go to events and network. But it's, is you know that it's, you love to do it, but how can you still be involved without actually racing yourself? That's a good point. Um, when your identity and your social life is wrapped up in it, there's more layers than just realizing, oh, I'm physically overstressed now, so I'm going to pull the plug on my race schedule. Yeah, yeah. It ma- makes it a lot tougher, huh? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's your identity for so many years now. I'm kind of past that. But the first, everyone would ask me at least every couple of days, when's your next race? Now it's when's your next trip? Because <laughs> I'm traveling with Neil when he goes for work. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm not an athlete anymore. People don't even know I did Ironmans and triathlete. It's my hobby, but now it's more, okay, where are you going next? And so that is a positive. You know, we went to Italy and Greece last year. I'm going to Paris and uh, London this 
September for a week. And now you can do that stuff because I'm not dropping how much thousand dollars per race now with, you know, your travel and your race entry fees are ridiculous. So <laughs> there's some positive sides of not racing yourself. Oh my gosh, that's great. I, I could see your big smile on the Skype where it's like <laughs> Italy, Greece, instead of bike Greece on my chain and another $400 set of pedals and $800 wetsuits and all that crazy stuff. So uh, a, a nice, healthy adjustment and recalibration. And I talk a lot on my show about, you know, finding ways to maintain that competitive intensity and going through life with compelling goals and that passion that maybe uh, that I referenced that I had when I was a professional and completely consumed. But now years and years later, now I'm trying to go break the speed golf record. And it's still uh, super fun for me and challenging. It doesn't take 22 to 30 hours a week of training like I did when I was a professional triathlete because that's no longer uh, a necessary or healthy component of life. But there's ways to redirect that competitive intensity into something fun and become Debbie Potts, competitive kayak racer on the slalom (laughs) course. And your time is two minutes instead of, you know, 13 hours. And oh my gosh, you can still, you can still enjoy that, that buzz that was what got you into compelling goals like triathlon in the first place. Mm-hmm. And your speed golf, if you guys haven't watched this guy's speed golf world record breaking video, you must watch it. It's pretty intense. I was sending it to my golfer clients going, can you check this out? Yeah. Dude, what, what are you doing playing for four hours out there? You can get this done in, <laughs> in a matter of minutes. Um, one other part of your story that I want to emphasize is that, you know, you got that diagnosis of adrenal burnout, adrenal dysfunction, which we hear so often. And yeah. The idea that when you're immersed in this and you're, you're deep into burning the candle at both ends, your body will respond for a given period of time and you will wake up in the morning and feel great and energized and your legs feel light and snappy and you go out and do another bike ride or another crazy workout or another long day in the office followed by a quick Uber down to the airport and a a red-eye flight to go bang the meetings out on the other coast. And you can go, go, go in this mode for a defined period of time because your body is responding to this chronic, chronically overstressful lifestyle pattern by pumping out these fight-or-flight hormones that allow you to cope and actually feel good. So a lot of times we hear people saying like, listen to your body. If you're tired, don't work out. And I do that really well. But guess what? I remember a lot of times throughout my career, I'd get up and I'd feel jacked up. Like, let's go, man, bring it on. And in fact, that guy that I rode with yesterday that dropped me on the last time, I'm going to torch him today. You know, (laughs) so I'm amped up. I'm in the sympathetic dominant state where it's fight or flight all the time. I feel fantastic. I can't wait to get out the door and start hammering again. And that is truly the most dangerous state to be in because we don't have any awareness that we're burning the candle at both ends until the flame burns out. Yeah, until it's too late and then you're really messed up. (laughs) That's what I love in the industry now is I'm hearing more and more about the sympathetic nervous system versus parasympathetic nervous system. And Rhonda Collier from Sweet Beat, I learned that from her, I think 2012 when I was in a workshop and she was working with Ben Greenfield and we're doing some HRV testing and I got interested in that. And now, finally, five, six years later, it's coming out more and more. Even last night, I had this yoga for athletes demo class at my studio, and she was talking about the, the parasympathetic nervous system. I thought, you know, this is pretty cool that we've evolved, that that's becoming more common to talk about the differences of the 
nervous system. You got the sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight. And then we have the parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest, digest, recovery, repair. And the challenges that we just get stuck over in sympathetic because we're supposed to go back and forth, recover, sprint, recover, run from that lion, you know, and rest and be ready for the next one. But we don't have those rest breaks. So then we get that every day going nonstop, you get stuck in fight or flight all day that you're not resetting and rebooting your system. So then we become sympathetic dominant is more of a common word to keep learning about that we're stuck over there. So how do we reset and reboot? Like you're saying, recovery is really important. And I think that's part of it as well as we'll hopefully get into digestion and all the other processes that this parasympathetic nervous system does. And this is part of the reason why I bought our sunlighten infrared treatment and, you know, you during your cryotherapy in your freezer that, you know, all these different techniques are designed to help us shift back to parasympathetic. Like we do a parasympathetic oil that you can put on behind your ear and the vagal nerve and take a deep breath in, exhale out, and you can just feel this shift back parasympathetic. So there's different techniques you can do, but I think that is what we need to focus on more doing is, okay, how can I reset and reboot myself? Wow, the oil sounds cool. And I know there's these yeah. uh, touted techniques and strategies to to kind of unplug the sympathetic and activate the parasympathetic. Ben Greenfield talks about doing the foam rolling and in a matter of minutes, Kelly Starrett says it too, where if you get down on the floor and foam roll out, even to that point where it might be a little painful if you're tight and you want to work through that pain. So you get kind of this um, hormonal response to the pain. The endorphins are enter the bloodstream and you can instantly or quickly uh, get into parasympathetic state if you come home and you're a little bit amped and wired. And so I guess you could maybe describe some more of those symptoms of when you're in sympathetic dominance, such mm -hmm. as having that intense emotional uh, uh, baseline where you're, you're easily triggered or you come home and you yeah. blurt out a story of that uh, adverse uh, consequence that happened during rush hour traffic. And then your, your legs shaking while you're telling the story and you're grabbing some food and shoving it down your throat as you walk from the kitchen to the TV room. And you're not really deep, deep breathing and doing all those things that are indicative of the parasympathetic function. Can you talk about some of those symptoms that you might see with clients when they come in the door and they're, they're charged up about uh, their, their commute over there and the left turn that almost clipped their car and all that fun stuff? Well, that's why I think it's so common with everyday people. It doesn't matter if you're doing competitive triathlon training schedule and racing that it is everybody that comes in, you know, they're stuck in traffic in Seattle or traffic's really bad <laughs> every day. And people, you can just feel, you can just feel it. It just is like you have this aura coming out of you because I'm going to strangle somebody and you just get really worked up and just aggravated and have this you just need to stop and even lie down as you're saying you know foam roller before you start working out or at the end of your workout so like if you're going for a bike ride get off the bike and do some simple stretches that you can do to reset or when people come in the studio and I could see that they're like okay they're they're really worked up and something I can tell totally tell because I know all my clients so I know when they're off a little bit so it's like okay let's change my plan and let's work on 
starting them a little differently and just do some stuff on the mat and work on some foam rollers, some little Pilates mat kind of yoga stuff, and then go into something harder. Or if I'm not going to do a high intensity interval training cardio bursts in between their strength sessions, if they're feeling kind of down that day, or they're just feeling kind of blah and stressed and anxious. So I have to change the workout based on that client's mood that day. And so you can tell when people are adrenally or sympathetic dominant kind of phase. Yeah. Not to just, uh, the, the dramatic example helps with immediate understanding, but there's also <laughs> some more subtle signs of sympathetic dominant and overly stressful lifestyle. And that could be you sitting, not you, but anyone sitting <laughs> at home and it's 830 and they're really supposed to knock off, but they're they're fidgeting and trying to finish 10 more emails. And then they're getting thoughts in their mind about whether their proposal is good enough for the presentation tomorrow. All those kind of things where you look and seem normal and calm and you smile at the person who walks through the room, but you're stressed inside because of your yeah. thoughts and your ruminations. So there's many ways that we can get to uh, this this unbalanced state. And I love the the concept that uh, is dispensed by uh, yoga experts, breathing experts, where if you are engaging deep diaphragmatic breaths, it is physically impossible for you to be stressed. In other words, if you are if you are cycling through those deep breaths, you are in your blood, your blood chemistry is representative of a parasympathetic state. And so when you, let's say, get in a fender bender and rush out of your car to you know, start arguing with the person who just slammed into you. What were you doing? What's going on? You're breathing in a shallow panting manner and you're activating those fight or flight hormones because of the uh, intense situation that you find yourself in. And if someone comes over and puts their arm around you and says, calm down, take some deep breaths, you go, but, but, I, but, but this person, he wasn't even watching. And you are physically incapable of slowing down and taking deep breaths because you are so stressed. And I have this in my mind a lot when you feel like you're spinning out of control and someone says, calm down. And you say, you calm the fuck down. <laughs> Your car that just got smashed, right? You cannot, yeah. you cannot do it. It's too difficult. But in those in-between moments of our busy days where we get a little triggered by something that happens in the workplace, indeed, we can go sit in a chair, uh, stare at the, uh, the picture of the ocean on the wall and take five to 10 deep diaphragmatic breaths and have a measurable impact on regulating and getting back in that sympathetic to parasympathetic balance. And of course, the sympathetic isn't all bad. That's what gets us out of bed. We jump into, uh, into, into the bike seat and begin the class and we're stimulating sympathetic so that we can have the energy to go. So we yeah. just want to get back to that, that concept of balance and having, hey, seven minutes on the park bench during your workday can have a fabulous effect on keeping the, you know, the runaway train uh, back on the tracks. Yeah. And I think that's a good word is triggers is part of when I'm coaching people now. And what I've done for myself is I'm aware of my triggers. Like when we were meeting at Mike's house and I got all worked up when I was, feel like you're rushing to appointment to appointment and you're going to be stuck. There's traffic and I have a plane to catch. I hate being late and I'm always like to be on time or else I panic and then I knew I saw all this traffic. I'm like, oh my God, I got to go. I can't stay. I got to go. Because 
and then I had plenty of time when I got there, but I know myself now that I can't, I have to leave gaps in between stuff. Cause I get worked up if I'm going to be late. So I like start to melt down <laughs> and yeah. get worked up, That's but funny, it's just like, knowing your own triggers. Yeah. Right. And, and, and not only knowing them, but accepting them. Right. Cause if we said, yeah. Debbie, relax, what's the worst <laughs> thing that can happen? And you answer, well, missing my flight to Minneapolis. Uh, so what? You go the next day, you pay 400 bucks more. What's the big deal? Right. So yeah. we, we can't live like uh, the, the the surfer bum that doesn't get stressed about anything. We have to pick and choose our priorities and, and manage and navigate and, and not. So I, I want to keep the listener focused that we're not talking about just, um, you know, letting go of your highly focused competitive personality, because that's probably not going to work but managing it appropriately is, is the big one. And then the other thing you said about your clients coming in the gym, you're either going to see someone who's wired like crazy and you want to get them into breathing, stretching, mat work and kind of settle them, or you're going to see someone who arrives in that burnout state where they've already burnt the candle at both ends and the flame has been extinguished and they show up and they drag their tired body into the gym. So we have this burnout situation and we have this hyperstimulation situation that occurs before burnout. And we're trying to kind of avoid both of those and find this happy medium where you're balancing your health with your fitness aspirations. But that's when, you know, I always have to coach people, not as a personal trainer. That's why I call it the whole athlete or the holistic method is that you're, as a good coach, you're aware of your client, what they're doing for their, when they come in, if they're stressed out, as you're saying, but it's also, okay, how did you sleep last night? What are some other things? So like the holistic method, I talk about their nutrition, their exercise is what they're coming to me for. But I'm talking about their nutrition, their sleep and their stress movement. What are you doing the rest of the day? Are you, how's your digestion? You look a little bloated today. You know, what did you eat last night? Or you didn't sleep well. All right. Well, what happened yesterday? And kind of have to add that coaching into it because to train an athlete is just, you know, what I'm trying to coach other athletes eventually is like, or other coaches to coach their athlete, but you have to look at these other elements. All right. Am I training you 30 minutes today? And then you're only going to go sit in the chair and be in meetings all day. Okay. What movement can you add during the day? How many steps are you taking a day? Are you getting up and doing some stretching mobility drills? And then how much water are you drinking a day? And then the big one I find is really important is the happiness, the gratitude and you know, there's that all the other parts that when I'm someone's walking the door, yeah, they're worked up and I figure out appropriate workout program for them that day, which is, you know, I typically just prefer to do 30 minutes with people and then they can warm up, warm down and foam roller and stuff. But it's just so much of it's what they're doing the rest of the day that is triggering those stresses. Or if, you know, they're like you said, they went to bed at midnight and they're coming to see me at 630 in the morning and they didn't get enough sleep. It's like, all right, I'd rather you cancel and sleep in you know, take care of you. And that's why I would say take care of the whole you from the inside out. Yeah, you're getting these wonderful quotes in when you're describing your program where you, where you say, quote, today we have constant distractions, multitasking <laughs> and addiction to busyness that we have lost the ability to slow down, be present, focus and enjoy the moment. This is what I've learned in Life is Not a Race and also the Holistic Method Manual. So um, now we're getting into maybe some of the best practical tips to kind of regulate these dangers of burnout or being in that hyperstimulation state. 
And maybe I should ask about sleep because you tell your story of being uh, ha- having poor sleep, even though you were exhausted and burnt out from excessive exercise. Is that is that what you see commonly where people are complaining that they're not getting a lot of sleep, even though they're tired? Yeah, they're they're tired. I always ask people in, in nutritional therapy as well, because if you're hyper or hypoadrenals, you have to also see, okay, do you, and blood sugar dysregulation, you know, do you wake up middle of the night, you're wide awake, or do you wake up because you, you know, what, were you just eating all these carbs before bed that caused you on that blood sugar roller coaster, or are you waking up because your melatonin cortisol rhythms out of whack and you're wide awake and it's 2 a.m. So you have to just kind of ask a few questions and interview them. Okay, what's what's exactly going on with your sleep? Then we can kind of dig deeper in finding the root cause of some imbalances or just what's going on in the rest of the life. But sleep is huge and I'm serious about my sleep after my experience and I know sleep is where you recover repair your detoxification happens you know the internal housekeeping service comes along when you're asleep but so if you're not sleeping and <laughs> the, you start to the, the, Zumba, the, the Zumba vacuum comes through your body when you're sleeping I love that the internal <laughs> yeah. house going ding dong yes hello oh it's the automatic vacuum machine that's going to clean my whole house <laughs> while you're sleeping imagine yeah, that and if you're not asleep, your, your service isn't coming over, so you're going to miss the housekeeping service. Right. The, the Zumba gets <laughs> get stuck in the corner, get, get stuck in your armpit instead of, you know, cleaning your, <laughs> your entire corpse while you're lying there beautifully. So what are yeah. the um, what are the, the big mistakes? Is it that, that uh, light after dark, the screen use? Yeah, the blue light. I just did a interview. It's coming out soon on our podcast on the Swannies using the blue blocking glasses. It really helps. If you're on your computer or reading on your iPad, um, that blue light makes a difference, I think. And for me, it's working. If I'm working on emails and computer writing, I'm trying to write more and study and do research that my brain's wired and I can't settle down and try to relax and go into sleep. So I have to shut off my computer maybe at six o'clock if I'm trying to, I have to go to bed at 7.30. (laughs) because I have to get up at 4.30 in the morning. And so my to get my full sleep, I was thinking this last night, I have to miss out on a lot of social life and fun activities at night because at this time in my life, I have to, my work starts early. But, you know, I have to make sure computer work, I stop about six o'clock. If I'm working until seven, that screws up my sleep. If I can't, I don't really watch that much TV during the week, but I'll read a book and I'm trying to catch up. I have so many books I've not read that I buy all the time. So I'm reading at least uh, three pages is my goal. (laughs) It takes a really long time to read a book that way, but I try to read a chapter at night and, and do some just relaxing. And I have a fan on, I have yoga music. I play sometimes on the timer and Sonos and which is, you know, the whole thing of emitting, getting that Wi-Fi. EMF is a big thing we need to work on in our house. Make sure you turn off Wi-Fi. That's a big area I've learned a lot about. Oh, my gosh. There's a lot of things. I want to discuss the incredible benefits of red light therapy and how you can get started with Mito Red Light. Mito, like mitochondria, red light makes the premier light therapy devices in the world and at incredibly affordable prices. I stand in front of my Mito Pro 1500 unit every morning, carefully exposing my eyeballs, other important balls, and my entire body to special wavelengths of red and near-infrared 
infrared light. When I tell people about my daily devotion to red light therapy, they typically ask, does this stuff really work? And the answer is yes. And there are thousands of studies supporting its effectiveness. Here's how. It's called photobiomodulation where specific wavelengths of red and near-infrared light, red's visible, near-infrared is not visible, that's why it looks like only half of your panel's working, these wavelengths help mitochondria in cells throughout your body produce more energy and clear waste products more efficiently. Red light exposure helps mobilize nitric oxide trapped in the mitochondria and allows oxygen to return to the cell and increase ATP production. The the benefits are proven again and again for skin health, muscle recovery, joint pain, and numerous inflammatory conditions. Red light therapy is also beneficial for circadian rhythm alignment because we generally get far too little direct sunlight and too much indoor blue light from screens and light bulbs at the wrong times. You don't hear much about this benefit of red light therapy, but when I turn on those lights, first thing in the morning. As soon as I wake up, I walk across the hall, I stand in front of the panels, and I feel instantly awake and energized. And believe me, there's a lot of days where Mr. Health Guy here wakes up feeling a little groggy and a little whiny, like I don't want to right get up now and get into my morning exercise routine. But when I stand in front of the lights, in one minute, I swear I feel wide awake. I get all that grogginess out naturally. It's super powerful, super effective, besides all the healing and the cellular benefits. I also love it for being a natural wake-up machine. You have to try red light therapy. I am certain that you will become a devoted user. And guess what? Mito Red Light offers a 60-day no-risk trial period and a special 5% discount for BRAD podcast listeners. Just visit mitoredlight, M-I-T-O, redlight.com, and use the code BRAD on any of their products. Go for it today and get started on your red light journey. Hey, man, how's your sexual function? Oh, uncomfortable talking about it? Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat, so it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about Gainswave. This is a cutting-edge protocol where a handheld device sends low-intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gainswave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gainswave reports an 80% success rate. Now, we know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary Band-Aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gainswave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainswave from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California, and there's a robust network of Gainswave providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. 
It's a tune-up for your equipment. And while it's great for ED, Gaines Wave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit GainesWave.com slash Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area. And you can take advantage of my special promotion. Buy six treatments and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. You're kidding me. So we got to unplug our, our Wi-Fi every night or, or keep it away from our bedroom, ideally. Yeah. Do you do that? Uh, no, it's it's far <laughs> away from the sleeping area. And, yeah. the, you know, you, you go to these shows and, and, and listen to the expert presentations and it kind of freaks me out a little bit. And I, I want to have a, a little bit of a critical eye going in so that I'm not living life, you know, in constant fear, fear. and panic. <laughs> but this stuff is, is quite interesting. And I, I do feel like those of us who are least uh, lucky, most vulnerable and susceptible can develop some serious issues uh, relating to just existing in modern life and consuming food out of plastic containers and getting exposed to environmental estrogens. And some people go along just fine. And uh, have their six pack and their CrossFit games participation while they're microwaving their salmon in the plastic bowl. But boy, if you're not feeling right and you, you aspire for uh, more energy, more peak performance, which I, of course, always am. That's why I uh, do podcasts and write books is, you know, constantly on that quest. Man, it's, start, it's starting to become uh, an eye opener. Some of these things like your wireless signal or the thing that really freaks me out, Debbie, is when you go and you're logging in somewhere and you see 18 other wireless connections pop up on your yeah. laptop as options. And it's like, oh my gosh, we're getting bombarded with signaling noise now that keep in mind, uh, 22 years ago, there were zero wireless connections, right? And so yeah. that's a, a huge change that we have no research and no validation that this stuff is harmless because we don't have enough. Uh, the research isn't there yet. Except yeah, for, I guess, people are saying this stuff is dangerous and horrible. And we're either going to take their word for it or try to make some amends or ignore them out of hand. I don't know what to do. Well, I tell people to at least put your phone, if it's in your room, on airplane mode. And I get mad at people when if I text and respond to a text in the morning when they're still sleeping and they answer, I'm like, why is your cell phone on? And so I have my little pet peeves of whole cell phone use, this whole different topic. But I just at least, you know, if you're having your phone in your room, which way too many people have their phone plugged in by their bed because it's an alarm clock and it drives me nuts because you're still being connected and you're still stimulated by all these beeps and alarms and everything driving me nuts on people's phones and all their oh, someone said your name on Facebook or you have an Instagram message or you have this many likes, just turn it all off. Those are distractions that are causing that constant stimulation that are related to our constant stress. So I think easy step to look at your sleep and your stress is looking at our cell phone usage and disabling all the stuff that you can use in cellular data or take off all those notifications. You really don't need any of them except for maybe your schedule and phone calls and texts. But Oh, you know, it's all the sounds that. drives yeah. nuts. I mean, the notifications and the sounds are causing a dopamine trigger in the brain. We get an immediate chemical rush. response, a rush, 
when we are exposed to novel stimulation in our environment, which is what every text message ding is, you know it's going to be novel stimulation. You don't know who sent it or what they're going to say, or you're waiting for a text and you're going to get that rush. And so that's a great starting point. Um, I'm thinking that what if I want to be uh, uh, reachable in an emergency? You know, I got kids running around in life. They, they are 20 and 18. They might be driving their cars and who knows, uh, my friend's kid ordered a pizza from Uber delivery at 2.30 in the morning. This is down in LA after a night of playing uh, Fortnite video games with his buddies. And he didn't, of course, tell his parents like, hey, expect a pizza guy to come up to the door. And so they thought they had a prowler and they were freaked out, but they never did connect with their son until the morning to realize like, oh yeah, that was me. I ordered a pizza. <laughs> so it was this huge event that happened where they're like, you know, uh, they can't even sleep because they think someone's munching around their house at, at 2.30 in the morning. So, but if you need your phone on in case someone calls in the middle of the night, like my sister's on call as a physician, she's not going to turn her phone to airplane mode, but can you put it, let's say, further away and turn off every possible potential noise-making thing except for an emergency phone call? And the answer is yes. I know on uh, my iPhone, you have this do not disturb window I set it for 10 p.m. to 7 a.m., except for uh, uh, these people in my favorites can call me uh, during those uh, overnight hours because that's the most likely person to call for an emergency. I know we're spending goofy time on this during a a health and wellness podcast, but this is the (laughs) stuff that can make or break if you think about the last 365 days and how many stupid text message dings uh, and what they've done with your life. Uh, it's worth considering. And I think we have to get out of this um, self-absorbed point of view that we're so freaking important that we can't miss a text message uh, and and, and kind of transition to like, well, you know, I'm not available right now because I'm taking care of myself and my health comes first. And so let the world beware, unless you're my sister waiting for that call that someone's about to deliver a baby, I'm going to argue that you might be a step or two or 12 down with your constant engagement, like your example of someone answering your text that you, uh, you know, in the middle of the night instead of in the morning. Yeah, it drives me nuts. So as you say, get over yourself. You don't need to know your Facebook updates or your, <laughs> your Instagram post or everything. I don't have any of those alerts. So I'll, that kind of connects to stress, sources of stress, because they're distractions. And the whole thing, I think, to help you eliminate stressors are to focus on one thing, not to multitask, and to be present with the people you're with, with the workout you're doing, when you're eating to digest your food properly, you need to get your body and your mind relaxed and in parasympathetic so you can digest your food properly and enjoy the moment. So all these people doing 10 things at once, rushing while they're eating, driving and eating and, you know, shoving food in on their, in between a workout session. I think, you know, want, if you want to improve your performance in life and sports, triathlete or non-triathlete, you have to work on doing that pause, reset, reboot, recalibrate before you eat, before you sleep. And that's how you're going to get healthier. That's interesting to talk about the eating one because... If we're not deep into this, we are looking at food as a source of calories, a source of energy to burn as we go through our busy life. That's what the 
multi-billion dollar energy bar industry is, is grab this thing and go and you will get more energy, just like five hour energy. This podcast is brought to you by garbage crap five hour energy that you can find at your recent gas station to jack you up artificially and cover up for all your crappy lifestyle practices. Eh, no thanks. Sorry, five hour energy. Dang, I just blew a potential. And same with the energy bars. It's this grab and go mentality that this thing is going to keep me powering because I get so celebrated for my workaholic tendencies or my overtraining tendencies. And so Mm -hmm. when you connect that uh, parasympathetic state with, I mean, the title, the nickname is rest and digest. Yeah. Why is it so important to relax while you're eating a food meal? Well, you can put the chart Look at a chart. You can Google images for this parasympathetic versus sympathetic nervous system because everything that happens when you are digesting, so stress is on, digestion is turned off. So you want to think to have your body in this stop and breathe, do gratitude, do prayer, sit down, relax because if stress takes priority over everything else. So everything's shut down because I always call it, say it's your emergency response team. So digestion needs to be parasympathetic because your stomach acid. So digestion starts in nutritional therapy. We talk about starts the very Northern point. That's your brain. So when you are starting to think and see food and think about what you're going to eat, digestion is already starting. So your stomach acid is a big part. That's the whole conversation as well but stomach acid needs to be released to properly digest your food in your stomach and if you're in sympathetic nervous system that inhibits the stomach acid so our stomach acid should be 1.5 to 3.0 ph scale and if you're not having that acidic environment well what's going to happen to the rest of the digestive system as your food moves south it's going to be all not broken down properly and cause all this other stuff not to happen so your you know your gallbladder releases bile and the all this hormones are released and you get the stomach breaking down the food. Well, if it's not the right acidity level, it's not going to be broken down. Then it goes in the small intestine. And then there's this whole chain of events. that's going to be dysfunctional because you didn't properly digest your food in your stomach. So then that's a problem. And if the gallbladder, the bile is not being released, you're not going to have fat digestion properly. And so the, and the activity of the small intestine to large intestine has this mobile motility movement. So that's going to not happen if you're in sympathetic. So all this stuff, digestion is so important to be parasympathetic. So people wonder why they have all this digestion problems. Well, let's work on how you're eating first and then work on improving your digestion with supplements. So I guess the gas, bloating, burping, farting, inflammation, <laughs> type of experience that we're so familiar with could possibly be traced back to the fact that we ate standing up, uh, shoveling the food in really quickly, and then uh, got off to our meeting on time. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And that's so easy to do. That's not okay. Yeah, I know. It's so easy. You know, people just coaching methods when I'm working with nutritional therapy clients is like, all right, let's work on your nutrition and digestion and absorption. First step, stop when you're eating and relax and eat. So even if you're doing a low carb, high fat or a more of a higher fat keto type of food plan, you still have to look at how you're eating and when you're eating. Yes, we're fuller, longer, satiated, we feel good. I don't have to eat three meals a day and two snacks because I'm eating more fat, but are you digesting it? And what I keep talking about with people, are you absorbing 
those nutrients, but are you causing your body to release, increase your blood sugar because you are having stress alerts still? Because every blood, every stress response is a blood sugar response. So even if you are keto, low carb, high fat, if you're continually stimulating your sympathetic nervous system to run from that lion every 30 minutes, your body's going to respond with this quick energy. I need to run from that lion as fast as I can. So it's going to increase your glucose levels, your blood sugar. And what's going to happen if you keep doing that? Anything repetitive? become resistant. So it's going to cause your insulin to be released to lower that blood sugar. And we're going to continually have that stimulation because we're continually being stressed, running from that lion nonstop. Well, down the road, you could become insulin resistant. So even if I'm a low carb, high fat keto type of athlete, but if I'm continually being stressed and in sympathetic dominance, I'm, I'm having this problem here of losing weight and burning fat, even if I'm eating the way we tell people to eat, right? Metabolic efficiency. Wow, that's a heavy message. It's often overlooked, not understood. Uh, Mark and I talked in the Keto Reset Diet about this whole segment of the approach where you have to make sure that you're exercising in a sensible manner, not a chronic manner, that you're getting enough sleep and that you're managing stress well, because if you don't, you will drift in the direction of sugar burner as you just described. I just don't think Mm -hmm. that's that point is hit hard enough. We're obsessed on the choices of food and counting our macronutrients. And should I switch from 1.2 grams of protein to 1.3 and all this nonsense while we're running around uh, with, you know, chicken with head cut off in high stress mode. And as you describe, making sugar to fuel our fight or flight needs. That's a fundamental component of the fight or flight response. Another great example is when you're staying up late and you're suppressing melatonin, that's the sleepy hormone that makes you feel sleepy and want to go to bed. And if you're blasting your screen with artificial light, what you're actually doing is making more sugar, increasing your craving for sugar. And then when you do go get a midnight snack, being more likely to store those calories as fat rather than burn them as energy because you have these sugar burning elements to your busy, stressful life. I wonder if that's part of the um, the recovery process after burnout where you're you're referencing these recent five years time when you stepped off the the triathlon uh, mode and don't have the energy to function normally through the day or to go put in a quick 50 mile bike ride in between clients like you used to do back in the day is that dysregulation of even giving you uh, a baseline of blood sugar stabilization. Yeah, that's why I haven't done it all week, but it's Testing your blood sugar levels regularly, I think, is important, as well as people don't want to do their ketones. But the main thing in nutritional therapy, we teach people, balance your blood sugar. That's your main goal. Then you should be burning fat and ketones. But if you're testing your blood sugar and it's still not right, even if you're eating this lower carb, high fat way, you guys describe it really well in your book, The Keto Reset, because you talk about cortisol and the stress and most, I haven't read any books that really dive into that. So that's a good thing that you guys added that in because it's so crucial part of all these people trying to burn fat and be metabolically efficient athletes that it is looking at the stress factor and testing your blood sugar levels will help as well as doing your heart rate variability testing. Yeah, that's fun stuff too. I got a new insight from Joel Jameson that I never heard in years of uh, 
exploring this heart rate variability concept. And for listeners unfamiliar, what you do is you uh, have a special application. You can get it on your smartphone where you're not only checking your heart rate in beats per minute, but it's also giving you this other value, which is the variation in beat-to-beat intervals uh, as your heart's beating over the course of a minute or five minutes. So the more variation in beat-to-beat intervals suggests that you are in a nice state of balance between parasympathetic and sympathetic. You can listen to a whole show that I did with uh, Rhonda Collier of Sweet Beat uh, over on the Primal Blueprint channel. Uh, but the main insight here is that if you, if you track this on a daily basis, you can understand your baseline pattern that indicates that you're healthy and well-rested. And then if you see a number that's lower on the HRV scale, it suggests that you're probably in a state of sympathetic dominance and need to uh, adjust your behavior to, to emphasize rest more so that your, your heart rate variability can get back up to normal. But check out this part, Debbie, and for you people uh, really familiar with it, he said that a high heart rate variability score, meaning more variation in beat-to-beat intervals, higher than normal. Most athletes will celebrate this. I remember taking a picture and uh, putting it on on Twitter, like, uh, you know, this is my highest HRV score, thinking that that was the ultimate state of uh, improving my fitness and staying rested. But he suggested that if your HRV score is higher than normal, that means your parasympathetic nervous system is over-dominant and working so hard to get you recovered from the sympathetic stimulation of whatever you did, crazy workout period, and now you're in heavy-duty recovery mode, it means that you're out of balance in that manner, and that also warrants a reduction in training because you're not fully recovered. You're just working super hard to recover, still bouncing back from the previous periods of stress. So that was a mind blower to me that there's a such thing as being too good with your high number on the HRV. I always say that too much of anything is toxic. Too little of anything's deficiency. You find that, right? Goldilocks effect is how much can you tolerate to not have that tipping point or that optimal level? And it varies per person, but yeah, not more is not better. <laughs> In more ways than one. Well, so, uh, we're, we're getting some, some big hit items here. We I talked know, about the so sleep factor and turning your cell phone off. We talked about just briefly um, focusing rather than multitasking. And maybe we'll, we'll get uh, a little bit more into that and then we, we can finish up the show with like, you know, a, a short to-do list of items where we can get our, our sleep, our focus, our eating, and uh, maybe a little bit more attention to movement. So when you say uh, avoiding the dangers of multitasking, how does that figure into the stress response and getting uh, sympathetic excess stimulation? Multitasking? Well... That's why I like bike riding because I'm just bike riding <laughs> or running by myself because you're just doing one thing. You can't multitask. I get in trouble when I'm working and there's so many distractions like, okay, I need to pay bills. I need to follow up with this nutritional therapy client. And then I got this. There's just like a ah, squirrel, you know, there's just so much going on. So I think it's the challenge always is when, for me, it's when I'm on my computer and I have 20 things open in my web browser. And then I have this pile of stacks of stuff to do and reorganize in so many different areas of your job and life you might have is how to just make a list and do one thing at a time and turn off everything or move it out of sight. So it's not distracting, shut off the, your email or whatever. So whatever you're trying to do, you can do hundred percent focused and do it well, instead of 
trying to do five things at once that you're not doing at hundred percent. You're just kind of half-assed doing it. So oh, I think geez. for me, that's my problem. <laughs> yeah, mine too. You're talking to um, a receptive listener. This stuff hits me really hard. I mean, I've had a, a adult career of writing uh, many books, right? And so somehow I look on the shelf and, and go, dang, how did that happen? How did that yeah. level of focus happen? Because my daily life is drifting further and further in a different direction where I have many windows open and I'm remembering, oh, I have to order more Ziploc sandwich bags on Amazon <laughs> right in the middle of writing an email to you and, and going over our, our outline for the show. And then, oh, then here comes um, here comes the reminder that I'm 15 minutes late to starting the show with Debbie this morning. Sorry about that, Debbie. Uh, and then I want to go do my fitness activities and stick with my morning routine, but we get pulled and pushed and, and forced away. So I think back to the suggestion about the iPhone at your bedside, turn okay. some stuff off and force yourself to focus. And I'm relating this uh, wonderful practice that I have that helps increase my productivity is uh, I show up at my girlfriend's office. She works late at night sometimes. And I love going in there and uh, joining her because they don't have wireless access in the building. It's a oh, government nice. building. They, you're not allowed. There's no password. You can't get in there unless you work there, right? And so I have a uh, a designated area in my life and my daily pattern where there's no uh, internet access. And that's when I get my most of my writing done and my uh, mm -hmm. creative work and content. And it's such a, a pathetic example of, you know, what I need to do to be focused and productive is to go to some building where there's no wireless access. But it, but it, it works. It works. That's not pathetic. I do the, I wrote my book, my manual, and I'm trying to write more because I went to a hotel room when Neil's on a trip at a food show or something, trade show. And I just stay in the hotel room all day and take walk breaks and work out and then go back and work on something else and turn everything off. It's the only way I can get stuff done. So it is, you know, a big part of being productive, but also if you're tying that into how do you improve, how does this help me improve my performance and my triathlon or life, I think it helps the whole overall way to improve performance is reduce stress. And stress is coming from this multitasking and leading us to the sympathetic dominant that we're just on the go all the time. We're always on. So if you don't know how to turn yourself off and you have to figure out what works for you to help you improve your ability to switch back and forth between those nervous systems so we can enhance our recovery pair, which will help us improve our performance when we go work out or else you're going to go for that bike ride or run and feel like crap and go, okay, this isn't happening. I'm not even moving. My time's this, my heart rate's high and I'm not even moving, blah, blah, blah. So quick ways to uh, activate parasympathetic would be some gentle movement in the gym, deep breathing, Breathe. <laughs> uh, getting slow out down, in nature. Exhale. Yeah, yeah, walking outside. Uh, and I know we're going to study that in the program I'm doing next is uh, that, you know, walking outside with your bare feet, the negative ions and all that would be cool. Um, I think just simple breathing. And I do a lot of the, we use vibrant blue oils as a parasympathetic oil to stimulate the vagal nerve. So I've been doing that and just, Things that you can, easiest thing is breathing, just breathing exercises, helping that reset, reboot button is just your breath work and just stopping. And the other day I felt like I'm, I'm like all over the place and I'm just, I can feel it when I'm revved up and 
I laid down on my bed. It was 50 and I got up when I was ready to get up and it was 15 minutes and I didn't even fall asleep. I kind of was half asleep and so I was thinking, I feel like I need a nap and I need to lay down and be still. So now I know when, okay, before I go for my workout, before I start working, I just need to reset. And to me, that was lying down <laughs> and it was just 15 minutes, but that's all I needed to just, huh, I'm back. I feel energized again. It was weird. So sometimes you just need to figure out what works best for you and your body and your personality. Well, then you have to get skilled at it too and build these skills in many cases. And I talk to a lot of people about my uh, fondness for, for napping, which started back when I was an athlete, was part of the drill when you were you know, competing at elite level and training that hard is that we all took naps in the afternoon because they, we were that dedicated to performance that we had the time, of course, that was our objective for the day was to train and, and rest and recover from it. So I took a two hour nap for a 10 year period of life. And um, that was something that carried forward into today where I can go for a 20 minute nap and get yeah. really skillful at napping. Um, at napping. <laughs> but people say, oh, I can't nap. You know, uh, I'm, I'm not used to it or I just I just can't wind down. You go there and force yourself to do it and then you wind down. So yeah. Debbie, that was some heavy stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a part two in my mind and in my notes because there's so many other things to cover. But I think we did hit some big points here, which was the sleep aspect, the focusing, and then all, all the, uh, the, the commentary about eating and creating that healthy, uh, relaxed environment to eat your calories, eat your food. So thanks, yes. for, thanks for getting into a little, a little dip into the holistic method. Much more to yeah. come. Debbie Potts up there doing her best at her at her uh, fitness forward studio to share the message with her clients and and keep going yourself. Thanks for all the great work you do. Yes. Next time we might want to dab into uh, endocrine, the hormones. I've been trying to write some articles on that this week of how athletes have so many hormone imbalances and what does it relate to? stress, chronic stress will cause this whole cascade events for your hormonal system. So people that have low T and low progesterone and pregnenolone and thyroid, we got to look at the root cause instead of just taking all these hormone replacements. So that's what I'm trying to write about this week and get in a little more into that. So I'd love to share that information with listeners and that are athletes, triathletes, huge. Right. Just like your, your neighbor buddy, Mike Mutzel said, if you go take uh, testosterone because you have low T, but you don't address those causes and those imbalances, you'll just grow man boobs because it'll get converted to estrogen. It's like, yeah. holy crap, that doesn't sound yeah. as, as compelling as it did when my doctor said, I'll feel like a young man again. Oh my no, goodness. No, everyone's on thyroid medication. All this It's like, you're just putting a bandaid on people. Look at the root cause of why you need this. And doctors just to give you this stuff without even figuring out why. So yeah, there's lots to go into. So thanks okay. for having me on the show. Debbie Potts going into the root cause next time. We got a little <laughs> bit of it here. What's the best place we can find you and connect with the stuff you're doing? The Holistic Athlete on Instagram. I've been doing more that way and trying to do a little more videos. And on DebbiePotts.net, you can find updates in our blog, my blog and our podcast, The Whole Athlete. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Stay balanced. <laughs> Stress and rest. Bye, Debbie. No, squirrel. 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 
Thank you for listening to the show. We would love your feedback at getoveryourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And we would also love if you could leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a hassle. You have to go to desktop iTunes, click on the tab that says ratings and reviews, and then click to rate the show anywhere from five to five stars. And it really helps spread the word so more people can find the show and get over themselves because they need to. Thanks for doing it. Here's a wild idea. How about eating some good, clean, delicious, sustainably raised meat instead of the nasty, trashy feedlot animals? The vast majority of our meat consumption, no wonder there's vegetarians and vegans out there. But look, Wild Idea Buffalo is 100% grass-fed and finished meat. They roam on the open range as they have been for 130,000 years. This wonderful company is doing the best they can to give these animals a good life, harvest them in a humane manner. Check this out. 40 million cattle are slaughtered every year and pushed into the mainstream food supply. You've read books like Fast Food Nation with the disastrous health impact and consequences of this mess. And then, by contrast, 60,000 buffalo a year are harvested. Much more nutritional value, much better feeling deep inside when you order quality meat. Go to wildidea.com, order direct, they'll ship it to your house. It's delicious. You'll be a convert right away. There's nothing in the world like buffalo burger. Fantastic. Try it.